you please stand for reading of God's Word? This morning I'll be reading from the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. These are Jesus' words for us this morning. Jesus said, Judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judge. These are some of the most quoted words of Jesus in our secular age. People love these words because they assume that what Jesus is saying is that we are not allowed to be judged. These words are misused as a way of justifying the way that we live without judgment. But Jesus is not saying there's no such thing as judgment. No, Jesus is saying judge not because we are not the judge. And there's a huge difference. Philosopher Charles Taylor observed that we live in a Western world where each of us has his or her own way of realizing our own humanity. What does that mean? It means that Jesus' words, judge not, have become, don't judge me, because I am my own judge. In other words, rejecting judgmentalism has become rejecting all forms of judgment. And in rejecting judgment, we have made ourselves our own judge. And this is nothing new. The last verse of the book of Judges in the Old Testament says this. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Is there not a better description of our world today? Where everyone does what is right in our own eyes. We reject judgmentalism not because we want to be humble. We reject judgmentalism because we want to be the judge. And so here's the question for us this morning. As Christians, how do we relate to a world that sees Christianity as judgmental, but not only that, that has made itself the judge? How are we to live? How are we to seek first the kingdom of God in a world that has rejected the king? This morning, as we begin the final chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' words help us live in this kind of world. Jesus said, judge not. He is helping us know what it looks like to live amongst Christians and non-Christians. And he is warning us not to be judgmental, not because there's no such thing as judgment, but because we are not the judge. 
And this morning, I want to show you why this is such good news. So first thing I want you to know, I want you to know that we are not the judge. And I want you to look with me at Matthew 7, verse 1. Jesus says, judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. So what is Jesus saying here? Judge not, that you be not judged. Well, I want to begin with what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying there is no such thing as judgment. Again, I want you to look with me at verse 2. Notice what he says. He says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Jesus is not saying, well, judge not, because there's no such thing as judgment. In fact, he's saying the exact opposite. Jesus is saying, judge not, because everyone will be judged, and you will be judged too. Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 2. Paul writes, therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? What is Paul saying? He is echoing Jesus' words. Paul is saying, don't judge others because you are going to be judged with that same judgment. And this is one of the things that makes judgmentalism so dangerous and so destructive because when we judge others, we are essentially saying that we are not held to the same standard. The Apostle Paul is saying that is simply not true. Jesus said, judge not because we will all be judged. By this, Jesus is also not saying that as Christians, we are not to exercise judgment. And this is clear by verse 6. I want you to look with me. Matthew 7, verse 6, Jesus says, Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. In other words, we must be careful. We must exercise good judgment. There are dogs and pigs about. We have to be careful what we say to them. What we offer to them, we should not be surprised when we offer the goodness of the gospel if it's thrown back in our face. We need to exercise judgment. Later in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus calls us to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. In fact, in the gospel of John, Jesus says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. In other words, in one gospel, the gospel of Matthew, we read Jesus saying, do not judge. And then in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, judge, but judge with right judgment. How do we deal with the two? Judge not, and yet exercise good judgment. Well, there's a difference between our own judgmentalism and interacting with a hostile world with the judgment of God. There's a difference between offering our own judgment and making ourselves the judge and humbly bringing the judgment of God 
that we are subject to as well. But not only are we to exercise good judgment outside of the church, we're later in the New Testament called to exercise judgment inside the church as well. Paul in Galatians 6 verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Judge not. Judge not. For everyone will be judged. Judge not. But exercise good and sound judgment. So what does this look like? What is Jesus saying when he says, judge not? Well, to answer that question, we have to understand judgment in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, we see God's judgment coming to bear on our fallen and sinful world. And what we see is that everyone in all time and in all places and all cultures, every single one of us, Christians and non-Christians, followers of Jesus and pagan alike, all of us will be subject to the holy and righteous judgment of God. And only God's judgment is true. And only God's judgment is right. We spoke of this in our call to worship this morning. You can turn in your bulletin there. You can just listen. This is Psalm 98. Psalm 98 verse 8 says, Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. Why? Why should all of the earth proclaim the glory of the Lord? Why should we have joy? We're told in verse 9, before the Lord, because he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. The judgment of God coming to earth is seen as a joyous thing. Joyous because it will make all things right. Without God's judgment, there can be no such thing as justice. But what Jesus is trying to help us understand this morning is the thing that none of us want to admit. That when God pours out his judgment on all people, in order for him to be just means that his judgment must be poured out on you and I as well. Judge not because we will all be judged. Judge not, because we are not the judge. We will be judged with the same judgment that we hold against other people. That is what Jesus is saying. And the truth is, apart from Jesus, we are no different Paul tells us in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes you and me. And every one of us who have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we are held to his judgment. But Paul continues and says, we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are not the judge. We will be judged And if you're a Christian this morning, you are justified not by yourself and by your own judgment, but you are justified by grace alone. And so if Jesus doesn't have your attention yet, he doesn't stop there, but he goes on to show us just how ridiculous judgmentalism is. 
but also how dangerous and destructive it is to our souls. And so the second thing I want you to know, I want you to know that not only are we not the judge, the second thing I want you to know is that we are all hypocrites, every one of us. And I want you to look with me at verse 3. Jesus says, well, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Now, odds are whether or not you've grown up around Christianity or whether you've even read much of the Bible, you've probably heard something of this passage before, the idea of logs and specks. But I don't want the familiarity of Jesus' words to cause you to, to not really understand and fully receive the full force of what Jesus is trying to teach us. And so I want you to use your imagination this morning. I want you to picture what Jesus is telling us. I want you to see the image that Jesus is painting. I want you to picture two carpenters. And they've been working all day at a carpentry bench. Now, if you've ever worked with wood, you know by the end of a long day of carpentry, you're going to be covered in sawdust and wood shavings. So picture these two carpenters. After a long day of work, they are both covered from head to toe in sawdust. And one of these carpenters turns to his buddy and he says, Hey man, look at you. You're, you're completely dirty. You're filthy. You even got a piece of sawdust in your eye. And not only does this carpenter who calls his buddy filthy completely covered in sawdust himself... He has a two-by-four sticking out of his forehead. This is how ridiculous judgmentalism is. It's the reason why we hate it. Because who are we to judge another human being? We are no different. Who are we to call out the sin of another person when we have either done the same thing or we've done things that are far more heinous. It's as if we were getting on to someone for having a piece of sawdust on them when we've got a two-by-four sticking out of our forehead. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. And this is Jesus' point. How in the world could we judge another person when we are to be judged the same? And then Jesus uses a word, a word to describe this kind of judgmentalism. I want you to look with me at verse 5. Jesus says, you hypocrite. You hypocrite. It's a word that he reserved for only the hardest hearts in the Gospels. A word that he often used to describe the Pharisees the scribes, and the religious elite. The kind of word that he used to describe people who should have known better but didn't. Just like you and just like me. Jesus would go on in the Gospel of Matthew to use this word over and over and over again to call out the hypocrisy that he saw. I want to mention just a few of these this morning. I want you to listen. 
Matthew 23, verse 13. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor you allow those who would enter to go in. Matthew 23, verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. Matthew 23, verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and an all uncleanliness. You see, I think there's a reason that in Jesus' picture, the image that he paints for us, he's talking about eyes. It's not an accident. There's a reason why he says, well, why would you call out a speck in someone else's eye when you have a log in your own eye? Because hypocrisy and judgmentalism prevents us from seeing clearly. Hypocrisy and judgmentalism prevents us from seeing our own sin for what it is. But it also prevents us from seeing the gospel and seeing the grace that should be offered to others, the same grace that's been given to us. Judgmentalism and hypocrisy prevents us as God's people from displaying the glory of the gospel of Jesus. This is why Jesus, as he condemned the hypocrites, he said, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. This is what our judgmentalism does. When we judge other people and we make ourselves judge, we shut the kingdom in the faces of people who are desperate for the true judgment of God. That is why for centuries, one of the greatest arguments against Christianity is hypocrisy and judgmentalism. It's the thing that is said over and over and over again. Perhaps you have thought it yourself or maybe you're even thinking it this morning that why would I be a Christian? Why would I ever want to belong to Christianity when it's just filled with judgmental, hypocritical people? Philosopher Frederick Nietzsche said, I might believe in the Redeemer if his followers looked more redeemed. And that's some nervous laughter there. Because <laughs> we feel that. And this idea is not just found in philosophers, it's all over our culture. Christianity is synonymous with judgmentalism and hypocrisy. That's my story. I rejected Jesus. I rejected church because I thought Christians were just a bunch of judgmental hypocrites. But it took me a long time to learn that it is judgmental to call other people judgmental. And what we have to all begin to understand is that hypocrisy is not simply a religious problem. Hypocrisy is a human problem. We are all hypocrites. You are a hypocrite. And so am I. The word hypocrite is an ancient Greek word. 
to describe an actor or a stage player. Literally means to put on a costume, to put on a mask. Hypocrisy is the act of putting on a costume, putting on a facade, putting on a show, putting on a mask to look like something that you are not. And so my question for you and me this morning is what mask are you putting on? When you come into this sanctuary on Sunday mornings, what mask do you put on? Tomorrow on Monday morning as you go to work, what mask will you put on? Each and every day, you and I, we put on costumes, we put on masks to try to hide, not only from the judgment of God, but from the judgment of other people. And so we put on masks, mask of having it all together, the mask of wealth, the mask of success, the mask of false humility, a mask of political power, a mask of knowledge, a mask of moral superiority. What mask are you wearing right now? Jesus says, you hypocrite, you actor, putting on a show. And the truth is, there is no mask that can hide our guilt and shame. And no mask that we can hide from to get ourselves away from the judgment of God. So the third and final thing I want you to know this morning, I want you to know that we are not the judge. We're all hypocrites. And that we have a judge. Our judge was judged for us. I want you to turn with me at verse 5. Jesus said, you hypocrite. But thanks be to God that he did not stop there. He said, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I don't want you to miss the power of the gospel in these words. You see, because just as Jesus is trying to show just how absurd judgmentalism is with this picture, I think now with this invitation, he's also trying to help us to understand just how powerless we are in our own judgment. Again, I want you to picture the carpenter with a two-by-four sticking out of his eye. And Jesus says, he invites, he says, well, look, take the log out of your own eye. If you really want to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye, then first start by taking the log out of your eye. Not only is this absurd, but it's impossible. I think Jesus wants us to wrestle with this impossibility. Who can take a log out of their own eye, especially if they don't even know it's there in the first place? Jesus says, well, only then can you see clearly to take the speck out of your brother or sister's eye. This is impossible. No one can take a log out of their own eye. So what is Jesus talking about? I think it's good news. Jesus said, judge not, because you are not the judge. He said, judge not, because we will all be judged. 
He said, judge not because we have a judge. And his name is Jesus Christ. I want you to turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible this morning, I want you to turn in the Blue Pew Bible in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible at all, that's our gift to you. We'd love for you to take it home with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's where we're going to be for the rest of our time this morning. Jesus said, judge not, because we have a judge. And our judge's name is Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, Paul writes about the judgment that will come to all of us through Jesus. I want you to listen to what he says. Paul says, for we must all appear, every one of us, before the judgment seat of Christ, so that we may each one receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Just as the Bible is clear about the judgment of God coming down out of heaven, pouring out on all flesh, and it's also clear that when Christ comes again, he will judge the world. He will make things right. He will pour out his judgment. In the book of Revelation, we see this horrific image of this mighty, conquering Jesus who will one day come in glory to judge all things. And you say this morning, well, how is that good news? How is any of this a good thing, that there's going to be a judgment, that we're all going to be held accountable, and that Jesus is the judge? It's good news, because our judge did not stop at condemning us for the log that is stuck in our eye. Our judge stepped down off of the throne and he was judged in our place so that the log could be removed from our eye once and for all. Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 5. I want you to look with me at verse 19. Paul says, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. How can that happen? How can we sinful people under the judgment of God be reconciled to him? He tells us in verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that our judge was judged in our place. And so I want you to use your imaginations again this morning. And this time I want you to imagine a courtroom. And I want you to imagine that you are on trial. And the evidence against you is piling up. You have been charged with high treason against the king. And now the prosecution is bringing piece of evidence after piece of evidence. Everything you've ever thought. Everything you've ever done. Every sin you've ever committed. There is so much evidence against you that you have to admit that you are guilty. 
You feel it in your bones. And you know, whatever, what other plea could you possibly have other than guilty? And then all of this evidence and all of this weight of sin is brought before the judge. And the judge has to carry out justice. And the penalty of high treason is death. This judge who is good and right and just can't deny the evidence against you. It's immense. And he looks down at you and he renders the verdict. Guilty. And then he reads off the sentence. Death. And just before you are about to be carried off for justice to be carried out against you. The judge stands up. He gets down off of his judgment seat. He takes off his robe and he puts it around you. And then he holds up his hands like this. He is bound and he is beaten and he is taken away to carry out the sentence of death that should have been yours so that justice can be done and so that you can be set free. This is the gospel. This is why the judgment of God is good news. This is why Jesus as our judge is the best news that we could ever hear. Because our judge was judged for you and me. And so Jesus said, judge not. Judge not. Because the judgment that you offer condemns the world. The judgment that you offer is hypocritical. Because you are the same. Judge not. Because we are not the judge. Judge not because we have a judge. And our judge is righteous and merciful. And he was judged to set us free. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would now help us to see the wonder and beauty of the gospel. That there is such thing as judgment that there is such thing as sin, that there is such thing as justice being carried out against us. But this morning we say thank you in such feeble words. Thank you for sending your son Jesus, our great judge, to be judged in our place. May we sing May we wonder, may we hold the beauty of the gospel, and as we leave this place, would you, Holy Spirit, help us not to judge, but instead to offer the judge to a lost and dying world. We ask in his name, amen. Let's stand, let's.